It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to this program, 310th episode. I'm on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, where you can follow for Minnesota Vikings updates and occasional pictures of the puppy. He's not really a puppy anymore. He's eight months old, but I still inundate on an occasional basis. The QB conversation continues. And it doesn't, doesn't seem like there's any sign of ceasing. And if not for a Jason LaConfora report yesterday, the squall might be shaping up into a big storm. As it is, signs point toward Keenum starting for the Vikings five days from now against Los Angeles. And presumably that will be made official by Mike Zimmer tomorrow. Or maybe he'll change course. Not sure. But the leaks say Keenum. And I think that's what the public consensus would be as well. Zimmer created a pretty thick plot by talking about his quote-unquote plan, saying how plans change, not opting to give Keenum the vote of confidence at yesterday's presser, despite knowing the decision he was going to make. I queried yesterday on the show whether or not the quarterback's even know what the plan is, whether there's communication going on behind the scenes. And it seems like the answer would be no. It seems like that plan that Zimmer talks about is his own, maybe the coaching staffs, but he made it sound as if it has not been communicated to the quarterbacks or the team. Well, I couldn't have faulted him either way. I think going with the hot hand in Keenum is A-OK. And maybe he'll have a little extra juice going up against the team that benched him last year in Los Angeles. And I don't think the two interceptions should necessarily nullify having an otherwise career day. Teddy Bridgewater has made mistakes before, too. You know, really, you know, people people want to make something of the four straight games with an interception. And I've been and I've pointed that out as well. There have been dangerous throws made, but at the same time. There's a little bit of luck involved, too, in getting an interception. The pick he threw against Baltimore hit off of Laquan Treadwell's hands twice. The pick he threw against Cleveland was a batted ball. So sometimes defenses just get in the right place, right time. I've got no defense for the two interceptions he threw against Washington, but I do know that he bounced back well from that second pick, engineered a long clock-killing drive, and got the W eventually for Minnesota. I think Sunday was a net positive for Keenum. I read a really good article this morning, though, on Purple PTSD, one of the many great Vikings blogs out there. And there was a really intelligent piece written about game theory and maximizing your positive outcomes. And the crux of it is is that presumably you know what Case Keenum's ceiling is, and maybe you saw him reach it on Sunday, and maybe that was even a little bit above his ceiling. Over the course of time, he is probably more like the quarterback the Vikings saw against Green Bay or Baltimore or 
Cleveland. Those were probably average Keenum performances. Presumably, Teddy Bridgewater's baseline is is at or above Case Keenum's. And because there's less information, there's a probability, whatever percentage it might be, 10%, 20%, that that Teddy Bridgewater's average game is better than Case Keenum's average game. And his ceiling is higher than Case Keenum's because he's younger, because there's less information, because he hasn't finished his early career trajectory and hit that plateau yet. And as a result, if you're looking for max production, then it would be best at some point to unlock that potential reward. If you open the box and you find out, oh, it's fool's gold. There's nothing here. Well, Case Keenum has been tossed around before in his career. It's not like benching Keenum is going to shatter his self-confidence. It's already happened. Sam Bradford came in for the first half against Chicago, and what did Case Keenum do? He came out and was brilliant in the second half and won that game. So the risk there, I'd say, is minimal. I think the risk is that, and the article points this out too, maybe you watch Bridgewater for a half, and it's quickly apparent that it's not there. You put Keenum back in. With your defense, you're unlikely to straight up throw a game away by playing Teddy Bridgewater. You're probably going to be in the game, unless Bridgewater makes a couple of terrible errors to give up touchdowns. I don't think you're sacrificing a tremendous amount. Because again, what we've seen from Teddy Bridgewater in the past is not dissimilar from what we've seen from Case Keenum so far. Mobile, ball protector. I'd say Bridgewater probably better in the intermediate. Case Keenum may be better on the deep ball. And again, on yesterday's show, advocated for Keenum. It felt like he should be the starter against the Rams, and that's probably how it's going to go. But I'm also of the opinion that this team can win a Super Bowl, and with a high level of quarterback play, that becomes a lot more feasible. And if you don't take the chance to unlock that potential, then you might be doing yourself a disservice. I think the biggest challenge for this coaching staff is to figure out when the optimal time is. There's no good opportunity. There's no cupcake. There's no easy game at home that you can toss Bridgewater in for and and hope to get a win regardless. No. Short week against Detroit, at Atlanta, at Carolina. And by the time that stretch is over, it's almost too late to make a QB change, isn't it? It feels like you have to sort this out now. And the problem with now is, is that the next two games are the most important of your season so far. Rams and Lions, you've got conference seeding implications. You have divisional standing implications. Let's take a look at the NFC standings here for a second. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon. 
Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. The Eagles lead the way at 8-1. and one. The Eagles play at Dallas next week if they lose against dallas and the vikings win then the vikings are tied for the number one seed new orleans plays washington they've won seven in a row new orleans could be eight and two the panthers won last night they're seven and three there could be three teams at eight and two next week and there could be some crazy tiebreaker stuff going on but the beauty of it is is that if the vikings beat los angeles They're on their way to a tiebreaker monopoly because head-to-head trumps everything. And they would then have head-to-head against New Orleans and Los Angeles and the potential to get the head-to-head against Carolina three weeks from now. They won't have the the head-to-head option against Philadelphia. Therefore, it comes down to conference games. A Vikings win and a Philadelphia loss this weekend means they are tied in conference. Then it comes down to common games. There aren't enough common games to qualify, so then it goes to strength of victory, I think. And the Vikings have a stronger strength of victory. So, your Vikings might be a number one seed by the time this weekend is done. Now, let's flip the script. Let's say the Vikings lose on Sunday. They drop to 7-3. and three. Detroit plays Chicago. Chicago is a mess. Detroit's playing good football. Let's say Detroit wins that game. Don't look now, but Detroit would be 6-4, and four, and they would have a chance to defend their home field on Thanksgiving and take the division lead and the tiebreaker. Not only would they be tied, but Detroit would have, in essence, a one-game lead because of the season sweep. That Week 4 loss could haunt the Vikings. Regardless of Sunday's outcome against the Rams, Next Thursday's game might have the slight edge in importance because if you win that game against Detroit, you go into the final five games of the season with at least a two-game lead. But this might be the most stacked the NFC has been in quite some time. You've got six teams, six and three or better. The Falcons on the outside looking in. The Lions are a good team outside looking in. The Dallas Cowboys are way on the outside via the tiebreaker at this point, but at 5-4, and four, I still am as scared of the Cowboys on a game-to-game basis as I am of, of any team, and they may not make the postseason. I mean, you've, got, you've got 10 pretty good teams. Maybe toss Green Bay out because they don't have Rodgers, but there are about 9 or 10 teams in the NFC that I think are really, really good, and that's why home field will be vital in the playoffs. Lockdown Vikings. LockedOnVikings.com, at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. Well, did you hear about this? Have you heard of Matt Khalil, the former Vikings left tackle? He had a good night last night. Did not allow a pressure in Carolina's thumping of Miami. But it has not been a great week for Matt Khalil overall. If you weren't aware, Matt Khalil owns 
the Minnesota Pieology pizza chain. And it was actually news to me when I went to Las Vegas last week and I saw Pieologies there. I assumed this was a Minnesota thing and it's it's clearly a national chain, but Matt Khalil owns the Minnesota franchises or whatever it is. So he goes to Carolina. He still has this business venture back in Minnesota. He's being charged by the Hennepin County District Court selling alcohol to a minor at the Pieology Pizza in Maple Grove. Khalil was not there. Khalil was getting ready to play a Monday night football game. But because he is the owner, technically, he is the defendant in this case. A case in which a 17-year-old, I'm guessing accidentally or just not thinking, served alcohol to a 19-year-old. I don't necessarily know how these things work. I do recall working at a wilderness store back when I was still in high school. And this was in the state of Minnesota. At said store, you were not allowed to be behind a register without being 18 because there were alcohol because there was alcohol being sold. I have no clue how that works in like a restaurant setting like this or or maybe there's some kind of dif- differentiation between selling cases and packs of beer versus on tap or what. But I guess a police officer saw the exchange, stepped in, intervened, called the GM, Khalil in trouble. I will give Pyology my endorsement though. Great pizza. Ironically, though, I think Matt Khalil's ownership at some point turned into a deterrent from people going there because of how poorly he was playing. And I say that half-jokingly. But the pizza is delicious. I will say that. On tomorrow's show, say Drosenfels rejoins. We will talk about the Rams, Jared Goff, Jeff Fisher, Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, and whatever else you want us to talk about. Feel free to tweet at Sam Ekstrom at Sadrosenfels18, and hit us with some questions. I wanted to talk about, real quickly here, at zonecoverage.com, because it uses some fascinating PFF stats. Chatted with Lauren Cox of Lockdown Bears. He works for PFF, and he revealed to me that Josh Norman had his worst game of the year on Sunday. I suspected it, the eye test said it, and the numbers back it up. The data shows that Josh Norman had a game rating of 40.5 on a scale of 0 to 100. In all but two games this year, he's been 74 or above. He just got torched by Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. They caught a combined six first down or touchdown passes against him, including Diggs' 51-yarder, Thielen's 49-yarder, Thielen's touchdown, 16-yarder to Diggs, and that late third and one where Thielen juked him out of his socks and got a first down. Quarterback rating for Keenum, perfect when throwing at Josh Norman, who is allegedly one of the best in the league. Thought that was interesting. All right, that's a wrap. Locked on Vikings, lockedonvikings.com. Subscribe on iTunes, leave a review with your Twitter handle, get in the running for a pro football focus subscription. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. 
The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked on Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.